everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 104, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, mtggoldfish.com, as well as YouTube now. So hello, everyone on YouTube. Joining me, as always, is the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. Richard, how are you? Hey, Chaz, what's going on? What's going on? Seth, or probably better known as Seth Olive, is also joining us, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. What's up, Seth? What's up, guys? What's up? We have a, a lot to talk about. And always, Chaz, uh, just an all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering as well, and I do write about the financial aspect of the game as well. So, Seth will not be here on the normal time, so we took the time to sit down, uh, carve out some time for you all, and talk about a lot of a lot of news that sprouted up the last couple of days. So actually really big changes. So glad you both could, could sit down and, and talk about this. Um, and we will just publish this early and you can all hear our reactions. So just going down the list, we are going to talk about a article on the mothership site by Sam Stoddard. And it talks about actually it basically emphasizes everything we've mentioned the last cast about transparency and some reasoning behind the standard bannings and what we can expect going forward. We have a, a, a statement from Chris Cox, our new Wizards of the Coast CEO, talking about a lot of different changes coming to the digital aspect of Magic the Gathering, as well as a couple other different things that we will address. It is called Making Moves. Our, <laughs> a, I guess a magic uh, me, uh, like the center of many magic memes over the course of Magic the Gathering online, uh, worth as you know him is is leaving is leaving wizards so it's it's actually like kind of bittersweet i I don't know if you both can kind of use those uh if you could blame worth for your terrible draws anymore and then we will wrap things up for which is some some general mtgo changes that are actually pretty pretty substantial so let's just dive right in the article from sam stoddard again emphasizing some standard changes what was your both reactions to this? So we'll start with you, Richard. Yeah, well, to summarize, he first starts off by talking about his tweet he sent out, and he basically told us he lied to us about saying standard was <laughs> rosy. Uh, it actually had a lot of problems. And then he talked about how the majority of their data was Magic Online data, and they found that uh, Blue-White Flash was overly dominant. And uh, they found out that people didn't like Emrakul, so they banned Emrakul. But then they're like, well, how can we ban the second best deck when the first best deck is not being changed? So they took Reflector Mage as kind of a casualty hit there. And uh, Smuggler's Copter is ubiquitous. They took that out. And he goes on to talk about a collected company, how in hindsight it should have been banned. It was kind of format warping. And the general tone of the article is they're taking standard bans... Uh, in a different light now, they're they're not going to be uh, as conservative as they were, you know, with Jace being the last kind of uh, ban. And also, they also mentioned that uh, they feel that threats have uh, kind of outpaced answers and that they're going to kind of tone that balance back. Uh, so that was the overall message of the article. And to me, it seemed pretty encouraging. Uh, they have finally recognized that you know, having eight abilities on a creature being under the curve is like too much that we need efficient removal. We need efficient counter spells, efficient rats and stuff like that. So it seems good that they're uh, kind of bringing that together. It's very weird to me that, 
he kind of just outright admitted he'd lied to us with the rosy state of standard. That was a little weird. I thought they would have tried to just shove that under the rug, but I guess this is good for transparency. Uh, not good that they initially tried to pull a fast one on us, but at least they've kind of recognized their mistakes. It seems promising. The, the state of standard seems to be good if you ignore the fact that a ton of people lost money. If you just kind of say, well, that's the cost of playing standard, uh, the, the balance of the format and where they're going with it and how they're willing to listen to feedback and look at the data, I think is uh, very promising. Well said. What about you, Seth? Uh, yeah, I also came away from this article generally feeling encouraged. So we've talked about the bannings already and the upsides and the downsides. And my opinion on the bannings that we just had hasn't really changed. Uh, I still think it's going to make standard more fun. I still am a little nervous about having bannings in standard. And it sounds like maybe I just need to get over that because... It sounds like bannings will be more frequent in the future. That was one of the things that I definitely took away from it. Even though they have said multiple times, like, don't expect this to mean more bannings. Uh, it's really hard to to read this article and not come away with the impression that uh, compared to the past, where we average one standard banning every five or six years, that it might happen a little more frequently now and a little more liberally moving forward. Uh and the other stuff is stuff I've been harping on and written articles about for a long time about the, the lack of efficient answers of any sort of hate cards. And it's nice to hear wizards actually coming out and saying, uh, we see this too and we agree with you and we will be addressing it. Like we, we work so far in the future that you're not going to see this in Amonkut necessarily, but it is going to happen when we do real not realize that we've pushed things too far in the creature direction and we need to push back a little bit in the other direction. So overall I came out of it feeling good. Like Richard, I have no idea why they put the, I lied to you paragraph in there. Like, I think you could have just left that paragraph out like from their perspective. I guess I'm glad that they did address that, but it's just so odd that they would bring that up and remind everyone and pretty much just directly say, yeah, like I, I lied to you. So I, I don't know what that was about. I think they needed to keep, and so this is kind of just my take. I do appreciate the transparency, and it's something that the three of us have talked about on this cast for quite some time, and I'm assuming a lot of other Magic players. So I really do appreciate that, at least in you know 2017 in this day and age, that we are getting some transparency that we really never had in the past. Like I, I love looking, you know, kind of looking at things through their eyes and seeing why exactly they did what they did. So I, I do appreciate that, and I think it was well done. I do think they should have left in everything. I mean, everything should have been talked about from – because it, and honestly, it was just a huge debacle. I mean, really, you have to put in the fact that you misinterpreted at least the data for everybody. And, and at least, you know, you didn't quite like, hey, we completely botched this, but at least you admitted to the fact that you really didn't portray this in its – white in its entirety you kind of didn't really give the entire truth so i do appreciate that it's not hard to do or it's not easy to do that um we've talked like like seth said and like you said richard we talked about the bannings at length and for everyone that kind of listened to that podcast that was a really organic that's basically as organic as you get we 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 had the announcement we hit record we talked about it we kind of went a lot of different ways and you know some may say we were a little negative but you know it is kind of hard to now set this precedent going forward. I do think it's hard to take everything at face value 
because, you know, once you're in it, you kind of don't really like it. But I do think going forward, it could be really beneficial. But it does kind of still get under my skin that you look back in hindsight and say, basically, you, you sat by idle to let some of these cards, you know, go by. And, and they were clearly suppressing standard for quite a bit of time. I mean, you look at Collected Company, if you read that article, it basically says they should have banned Collected Company because they had the similar numbers that they did with these three cards. So I get it. You can't go back. You can only go forward. But um, I think this is at, at least good to know going forward and that they're already looking at some stuff and fully well expect. Um, they brought up the the copycat uh, deck. If, if anyone doesn't know what that is by now, it's the Sahili Rai uh, Felidar Guardian combo. They are looking at that already. So if it does end up doing really well at the Pro Tour, you can expect something to happen. But they feel right now that there's some cards to deal with it. So again, all around, good job by Sam. So Chaz, you sound like you agree with the Collected Company ban that Sam was talking about. Seth, do you feel the same way? Do you think Collected Company should have been banned? I have, I'm I'm in such a weird place and I don't really have my feelings 100% straight on this issue. There's, I think the cost to banning cards in standard is really severe. I, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but after the bannings were announced, I was getting tweets and emails from uh, st- saying stuff like, I'm a 15 year old kid. I bought Emmerichels with my Christmas money and now I can't play magic anymore. Stuff like that. So there's a, a really real cost to banning cards, especially in standard. So, so it's really hard for me to say, do I think that the format would have been better if collected company was banned? Yeah, I definitely see that. Is it worth the cost? I just don't know. And if, if this is what we need to do with more bannings, shouldn't we just still be on the faster rotation schedule? Like, it seems like things are working in a weird direction like why would you go back to a longer rotation because people don't like their cards losing value and want to be able to play the same deck longer but then just randomly ban cards whenever you feel like it isn't that the worst than just keeping the fast rotation and dealing with uh, the feel bads of having to sell your deck a little bit early instead of having to pay that price with getting your deck banned outright at some uh, random announcement that happens eight times a year yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat there where my stance from the last podcast hasn't changed. I feel the financial hit to players, and I don't mean speculators and other, you know, people, but I mean like Timmy who just, you know, got a hundred bucks for Christmas, bought a playset of Emeralds, and then boom, the Emeralds are banned. I feel that is very bad for the game, but in the same light, the, the bannings themselves make the game healthier, like in terms of actual gameplay. Uh, so there's a trade-off there. I don't think Collected Company should have been banned, and I'm worried that Wizards is kind of pandering the masses too much. Like, you know, like, just every week there's a new Reddit thread complaining about Stale Standard, complaining about Siege Rhino, Coco, Emrakul, whatever. Uh, it's the internet. People will always, always, always complain. And I hope Wizards isn't running around trying to... Uh, squash these complaints just because they're complaints. It kind of reminds me of that Simpsons episode where uh, Homer's brother gets him to build a car, and he basically just throws in every feature he wants, and the car is terrible. So I, I hope Wizards, you know, actually does have some oversight here and doesn't just run around trying to squash player complaints because we're guilty of this. People love to complain, right? And uh, the louder the voice, uh, the the worse it gets. So 
Uh, hopefully we don't go too extreme. Hopefully, you know, if copycat is a deck, there is some time for it to play out that there's just not, you know, a band hammer swung in its face immediately. Uh, you know, I, I hope Wizards continues to print new cards as a check for existing cards rather than relying on the band hammer. So, you know, hearing that Coco could have been banned gets me a little worried. That kind of sets the precedent. You know, was Coco too oppressive? If we have another Coco level card, it's surely getting the ban now. Right, if a new one comes out in Ether Revolt or Almacat, still makes me a little nervous. This announcement made me less nervous, but I'm still on the nervous side of things. We're gonna have to see how this plays out. I mean, my thing is again, this is kind of the longest running successful card game, right? Like it's still around, and it just—I think it just comes. It's the nature of the beast, right? It, it just that is how. Things have to be addressed when when you have a game like this. It's not a, a fully digital game. Like you look at other games, Hearthstone can errata and change a card, you know, push out a patch, and it's over. Magic can't do that. So when you legitimately have some oppressive cards, and now they're kind of admitting that they looked at some of these cards as oppressive as the three that they just banned. I, I did. I think I did say this on the last cast. They are really really stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because. You, I think you brought up some good points, Richard, that you can't make it perfect for everybody. And there are a percentage of people that it's like, listen, I just bought all these cards to play standard. I want to play standard. Now I can't play standard. And that really sucks. Well, uh, the thing but, is, this, this would have been fixed if they had put a Relic of Progenitus in the format. It's so friggin' simple. Like, it, this is, the game has survived for 20 years without having constant bannings because Wizards made the game a certain way. And if they're going to change their design decisions, not print removal, not print any answers to anything, of course this is going to happen. What did they expect to happen? So the solution is to print cards like that. If you had a Relic of Progenitus, you wouldn't have to ban Emrakul. And that's how the game was for 20 years. And that's how they need to get back to. And I think they're admitting that in the article. But we're going to suffer through this for another year or two until things catch back up, I think. Is yeah. the problem and, and, how hard they're pushing some of these cards? Like, when we saw Smuggler's Copter, everyone's like, yeah, okay, that's that's a lot of stuff. And, you know, we, we had to kind of just have faith in Wizards that it was balanced. Turns out they were wrong. We saw Emrakul, we're like, that's, that's a lot of powerful stuff on this body. And what worries me is when we look at the Aether Revolt cards, we're like, holy moly power creep. Like, all of these cards seem ridiculous. They seem you know, quote-unquote, pushed. Is it the same problem now where uh, because they want cards to be exciting, they try to push them, and now they're too good, and the only way to get rid of them is to ban them because you can't print hate cards that are that good as well because then nothing would ever get played? You know, is the problem that they're trying to create exciting cards and that just inherently means power creep and inherently you run the risk of bannings? Right. But again, and that that point can go either way, too. And it is a good point, Richard. It's like we we every player puts their faith in Wizards to get it right. And most of the time they do get it right. But you have to also accept that they get it wrong sometimes. And and yes, they may be pushing cards, but I think that's inherent in a lot of card games. And, And I think they have to make a decision at one point. How consistent do we need to be in pushing cards and keeping cards relatively, I guess, low key? Because it happens in other card games, too. I mean, not to digress fully on Hearthstone, but if you have played that game, first it was like Ragnaros. And like, oh, that was a pretty good card. Then it was like Dr. Boom. And it's like, you can't play a deck without Dr. Boom. And like, it keeps just growing and growing and growing. And the cards get better and better and better. So at one point, you have to kind of bring back the reins entirely. And I think they've done that 
successfully over the years, but sometimes they still get it wrong. And I was a little down on, on the bannings, but I do see it as a long-term positive. I just, I just hope that it doesn't happen as often. And they said it would probably won't happen as often as they, they think it's going to happen. So at least that's optimism. All right. But this gives us a new topic to talk about. Ethervolt, what is the card most likely to be banned <laughs> if there's a banning? I think Felidar Guardian. You, you think uh, copycat combo? Yeah. I'm going to go expertise so. cycle. I, I think getting... In standard? Like, get all get rid of them all in standard. Either all of them or the one that gets played the most. I, I think this fast... I can't picture how this fast mana, like, is good. Especially since all of these creatures are basically two-for-ones to begin with. So, like, just playing a spell and then getting an insanely crazy creature off of it, I, I think it's going to be too much. But... Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be banned, but of the cards to be banned, I think this would be, you know, on the radar. If there was a quote-unquote watch yeah. list, I would put I'm it with on you there. here. I'm with you here, Richard. Those cards are always really dangerous. I mean, Felidary Guardian's an obvious choice because they already mentioned they're aware of it, so I think that gives it a leg up. I think the expertise cycle... I think is more dangerous in modern and could end up being something there potentially, but it could happen in standard as well. But I'm going to go with Paradox Engine. I don't know the format. It might not be standard, but to me, that seems like the card that could most likely be degenerate in yeah. a format mm-hmm. somewhere. Are you ready for Commander Clash where all of our decks have Paradox <laughs> Engine all the time? Because I am. Oh, <laughs> Gotta play that card while we can, man. <laughs> Uh, th- and one more thing before we before we move on, uh, Chaz, you mentioned the collected company banning and being on board with that. But w- where does that stop? Like, from my perspective, what worries me is if you're OK with banning Paradox Engine th- or <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I would be OK with that, too. <laughs> if you're OK with banning collected company, then. Does that mean we should have banned Grey Merchant or Pack Rat? And does that mean we should have banned uh, Master of Waves or Siege Rhino? Like, should we have just banned the best card of every standard ever? I'm I'm not not saying we should have. I'm saying that based on what they told us, they should have. And why? Because the counter argument, and and I I get where you're coming from, but I can also make the argument. It's like, well, then why did you start now? Like, why, why now then? It, you had all these cards in the past, and why start with Emrakul, Smuggler's Copter, and, and uh, Reflector Mage? Why don't you just let it play out then? I mean, it could go both ways. All I'm saying is that it just it's, it's a little annoying to read that, hey, listen, you know, we had similar numbers based on other cards in the past, and we didn't touch those. So it's just like, I guess, again, it's like really hard for them to start something without saying we should have done it back then too. And it's like, where do you stop? Where do you start? Uh, start? Where do you stop? I, I don't. Well, I, I got don't an have answer each house. The answer is money. The answer is low <laughs> wow. FNM attendance. Uh, yeah. it, it's gotten mm-hmm. low, so they're like, "Oh, better hit the panic button." <laughs> yeah, I so I guess you're right. I mean that uh, that I guess is a valid point. All right, let's All move right, on so to Chris mo- Cox. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, the announcement, or I guess the statement from Chris Cox. So, uh, just break it down a little bit for us, Richard. All right, so Chris Cox, CEO. Uh, of Wizards of the Coast released a kind of a press statement, not even on like the Magic the Gathering site, but on the Wizards site, and basically outlining his vision. And there's three main points. Uh, we are reimagining digital versions of Magic and other Wizards games. And then they basically name dropped a bunch of studios of which they've gathered people from, which apparently will work on the next version of Magic 
and they're thinking about how players might tap mana and prepare spells for the future. Uh, no, no concrete statements in there, just, just kind of a general thing. Uh, we will bring our characters and worlds to other games and experience. Uh, what would it be like to throw fireballs as a planeswalker in an MMO or quest for treasure with your friends in a D&D augmented reality game? Uh, and then the last statement is, we will make your wizard's experience more efficient, connected, and convenient from getting matched in a big tournament to tracking your achievements and getting your friends together. Uh, stuff like that. Kind of the biggest news out of here is they allude once again to Magic Digital Next, which they don't give any kind of concrete statements about. And also uh, Magic IP in other areas. Uh, trying to, I guess, piggyback off Pokemon Go with a D&D augmented reality game. And uh, maybe you can uh, play a WoW-esque MMO with Planeswalkers. Oh, that's a lot to uh, digest. I think we've mentioned this on the podcast ever since, maybe even before they officially kind of announced this uh, Magic Digital Next that, oh man, I, I have for some time been thinking that they're, they had to do something about MTGO. And I think... I think we're getting closer to at least at le- more information or they're kind of just nudging us to say, hey, listen, Magic the Gathering Online is going to be completely different here soon. It seems like all around that they're trying to, I guess, bring this company or, or at least Wizards into you know 2017, <laughs> which I guess is why they hired him in the first place. So what are your thoughts, Seth? It's all just so vague, like most of it sounds good we're gonna make magic better and do tons of cool things and make magic online even sweeter and everything's gonna be wonderful but it's just so short on specifics that it's hard for me to really take anything away from this other than uh, wizards is gonna try different things that we haven't seen before online in other aspects of the game and other than that, I don't know what to expect. Like, it all sounds good, but I have no idea what it means. Yeah, this is not made for us. This is made for investors. And it's basically just a bunch of name dropping and buzzword dropping, right? Like, oh, here are all the legitimate studios we've hired from. So don't worry, you know, we have a legitimate team. And let's throw in, you know, oh, augmented reality is hot. Let's talk about that. Oh, MMOs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about integrating all your games and experiences. You know, it's just kind of marketing hype uh, but a lot of people are worried that there's no assurance of your magic online collection being safe there's no kind of migration path and things like that but i don't think that was meant uh to target us like if this was actually posted on the mothership or kind of the mtgo blog i'd be very concerned but to me this is just chris cox talking to people that don't know anything about magic and D and kind of just assuring them that they're doing stuff that's up to date and relevant. So I wouldn't put too much stock into this, but you know, they've been talking about the next magic online platform for like forever. And I don't know. This, a, <laughs> this yeah. hasn't brought us any closer <laughs> to it. This is just, I, a, I, I do think that's a good take Richard. And I mean, the sky's not falling yet. Obviously you can still read this and take away a couple key things other than just like, Hey, like you said, just a lot of this name dropping and talking about what's what's cool right now, I guess, and what's hip with people. But I do think the underlying tone is they still are telling us, listen, there's going to be some changes, big, big changes coming, at least for MTGO and how we look as a, you know, how we look on a digital platform. Like this is not going to be what we 
are going to be doing going forward. So I don't know if it's time to sell your MTGO collection. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're at that point, but, and I would assume if they were to do something like that, they would obviously have to have a plan to kind of get people on the right track. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like standard rotation. Like, right. you know, magic That's online is going away, but if you sell all your cards now, like, how are you going to play? And uh, the thing with standard rotation right. is you know when it's going to happen. This could be two years out. It could be six months out. It could be five years out. So I, I don't like if you panic, like, what are you going to do? I guess you could switch to Hearthstone, right? But like, if you actually want to play magic, you can't just panic sell because then you got nothing to do afterwards. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Only thing that makes me not worry too much is Wizards has a long track record of not getting digital things done fast. So. The, my immediate worry of something crazy happening is it just really isn't there. I don't know how Wizards, a company that takes 10 years to release each update or leagues or new version of Moto, could all of a sudden get it right in like a year this time. That just doesn't doesn't add up to me. So I'm not super worried about the immediate future. My long-term biggest fear overall, if they want to make Magic Online pretty and uh, look like Hearthstone, I can deal with that. That's probably even a good idea in general. If they want to make Magic Online cheaper in some sort of free-to-play model like Hearthstone or similar, even I'm even okay with that. I hope they get the compensation right for people that have been building collections for a long time or do something there, but I think that's a worthy goal. What I'm not okay with is Wizards realizing that they can't make Magic Online be like Hearthstone if it's still magic and dropping phases or instants or other foundational aspects of what makes magic such a great game to make some souped up spicy hearthstone esque version of magic and not have a digital way to play real magic. Yeah. That's been a growing conversation and I just don't, I can't even see that happening. I can't see magic being in some sort of like fast paced, I know they talk about like how you are tapping your mana and playing spells, but I just I can't see the game, I guess, being condensed in a way. Maybe they I have thought about this to some length just to kind of give my thoughts on this conversation. Maybe they just cut Magic the Gathering to standard. I don't know. Like that would be the only way to really condense a lot of what's going on. I guess in, in this digital platform because you don't have to code and like include all these like old uh, abilities and such. And just like, I guess you could do something like that, but that I don't even know what purpose that serves. Like you could just, I don't know. Yeah. It lets them release faster, but let's not pretend right. like standard cards are simple. There's like a lot of weird, you know, secret salvage and triscodecophobia. There's like a lot of weird random effects in standard as well. But I hope they keep the core gameplay like you guys mentioned. They can do a lot of stuff about wasted space, about animation and art and stuff like that. Like, you can make it a lot more flashy. You can make it a lot more like an actual video game. But if you try to switch to Hearthstone, you know, like, uh, let's say they remove instance, then it's not magic anymore. And, and then I don't know who would play this. 
I think it was Seth. Like, if you just make it like Hearthstone, people just play Hearthstone, right? Like, I would just play Hearthstone. Yeah. I love Magic, but if they just made Magic yep. literally like Hearthstone, I would have... The reason I play Magic is it's a great game. It's my favorite game. Probably one of the best games ever made. And I'm, from what I can see, Wizards competitive advantage over Hearthstone and Hex and all these other competitors that have emerged in the last couple of years is they have the best game. That's the one thing they may be horrible at making digital games. They may be run by a bunch of people that have no idea what they're doing and all these complaints <laughs> you hear. But the one thing they have is the best game out of the bunch. And if they change that, they lose their one competitive advantage. That's a, that's probably the best point. We'll see. I mean, again, it's it's really vague. But what is not vague, and to kind of keep us rolling along here, is that Worth uh, subsequently is being let go, fired. I don't know all the details, but Worth did announce it on his Twitter that he is no longer going to be part of Wizards of the Coast. So, coincidence? <laughs> yeah, aside from being Where, like a living meme, Worth like, is the head of Moto, right? Like He oversees all of Moto. So, if we question how serious they're getting about this, then uh, here's their first serious move, right? They're letting go of Worth, and they're apparently shaking it up and doing something. So, it seems like they're actually doing something this time around, and it kind of sucks that Worth has to go. He's a pretty cool guy, and we like to blame Worth and stuff like that, even though it's not his fault. Uh, he's a living meme at this point, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was his job, and I do feel bad for him. Right. But hopefully this means, you know, exciting new changes coming. And maybe instead of taking 10 years to do, deliver something, we actually get something delivered in two, three years. But having said that, Worth is a, is a nice guy and, uh, I wish him the best. And hopefully he still is involved in magic somehow. I don't know how. Maybe he'll pop in our stream and bless us with some luck. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the interesting comment I saw was, uh, instead of blaming Worth now, we can blame it on the fact that he's not there, so we can keep him in our memes forever. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That, that's how we're going to play this. Um, yeah, I think, obviously, the first thing that has to be done when you are trying to reimagine uh, your digital platform is to clean house. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know. But... I guess that's how it has to be done. The the th- only thing that scares me is, uh, despite whatever shortcomings Worth has, and uh, he's a magic person, and <clears throat> from going back to Chris Cox's announcement, you don't necessarily get the impression that they're hiring magic people. They're talking about programmer people and Leapfrog and uh, Valve and Warner Brothers and BioWare and all these places, but... If they replace magic people with just video game people or tech people or whatever, that makes me a little scared about what we were talking about before, that those people might not understand the importance of uh, magic being what it is. Like, if you don't know magic, then, well, why do you need these uh, bothersome instants programmed in? We can be more like Hearthstone and, you know, so that's the part that concerns me a little bit. But Activision. No, but you're right. I, I, I And it kind of – you're right. It is a little alarming that they wouldn't at least keep Worth on as some sort of consultant. I mean he has worked on this aspect of the game for quite some time. I think it was like he's mentioned 16 years. And it just seems like you're kind of selling your – this could 
lead to, I'm not saying it's a definite that you're kind of selling your soul out to all these video game programmers. Like you said, Seth, you have all these different uh, studios that you're just making a video game rather than keeping, I guess, the sanctity of what magic is. Yeah, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like, I mean, if you're going to have yeah. a coup, you need to purge the government after. You can't keep worth <laughs> around, like, undermining right, right. your authority, right? Right. But I don't know, like, you're right. Like, Worth was a competitive player. He top four to Pro Tour or something. You know, he knows magic. He lives and breathes magic. But at the same time, that was part of his downfall, right? Like, I don't want to play this weird game that looks like it's from the 90s. I want, you know, modern day graphics and interaction and you know, someone who actually understands what esports actually is as opposed to a buzzword. So I, I say there's pros and cons here, right? You're going to get someone more qualified, but they're not as closely tied to magic. The the things that is scary to me is we've seen uh, Eternal card game. We've seen uh, several fairly popular card games come up, digital card games that have been designed by old time pros, Darwin Castle, LSV, Connolly Woods. They work at Direwolf, all these places. So if it would be reassuring to me, if wizards wanted to go this direction, if, I knew those were people, people that actually knew and loved and cared about magic. I, I think you can have people that are that are programmers and designers and can do this job really well, but are still magic people because those people are out there because they're making other successful games in the same space as magic online. But those people are on the design side. You know, it's like they'd be taking like Morrow's job. We're, we're talking about technical people, right? I don't think Worth is a technical person. But he, he is, though, right? <laughs> he oversees mm-hmm. magic on, like, literally, right. he oversees digital stuff. So, I don't know what so it's not like job. we're cleaning house of, like, Morrow and Ian Duke and like, all those guys. <laughs> right. this or is, Sam Stoddard. This is just the digital. Right, yeah. right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, the, the only, I guess, concern I have is that you bring on all these people, and where have those games gone, right? Like, where has all those... I guess yeah. magic knockoffs. I don't see Blizzard where, Entertainment in this list of companies. Here is is Ben Brode coming. I don't. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. We'll see. I guess. Uh. What, let's keep moving on. So, in addition to that, you're going to have some Magic: The Gathering online changes to deal with. Uh. Right now. <laughs> so, we we can't look forward without dealing with what we're gonna. What's going to happen right now? So what is going to happen with MTGO uh, in the near future, Richard? All right. Three changes uh, published today. So pre-release is gone. Uh, good thing. People are always confused, like, why the pay structure suddenly changes. They're just going to go straight into release events, uh, like the normal release events. So that's fine. Uh, change number two, single game match draft leagues. So now you you play a league, you draft... And you play one game matches until you have seven wins or four losses. So basically Hearthstone Arena. Uh, 12, 12 tickets to enter, seven wins gives you 120 play points. So that's break even plus whatever you opened. Uh, change number three, treasure chests no longer will contain booster packs. They will go back to awarding play points. And then uh, change four is like they added some cards to the treasure chests, which are too numerous to list. Uh, but so those are the, the major changes. And kind of the controversial ones are the arena style leagues and the reversion to play points. 
Uh, yeah, getting rid of pre-release is awesome. One of the things that drove me crazy is when they did pre-release, they only had really limited events, and they were often horrible. Like, if you wanted to draft, you had to play uh, Swiss drafts and all this stuff that just wasn't great. So I'd find myself, like, having to wait for pre-release to end to play what I wanted with the new set. So just dropping that and letting everyone play what they want with the new set right away, I think, is a is a good change. So I'm definitely on board with that one. Oh, man, I want to hear your opinions on single game match draft leagues. I have some thoughts, but I'm probably going to go on a rant. So why don't you guys go first on that one? So do we have do we have to get someone to do a voiceover for our dwarf that invites you to come in and join the hearth? (laughs) Pull up a chair by the hearth. I mean, I don't know. This is Hearthstone like this. Do you just draft like aggressive decks now because you're you're like. A one and done. I don't know. You, also, do you have to? Do you know how hard it is to go seven and four in Magic? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so remember we were just talking about. I hope they don't get yeah. someone who doesn't know anything about Magic to come in and just steal stuff from Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of concerns with this. First of all, seven and four, the absolute best prize is like barely above break even. Like three open packs is what like a ticket of EV, and yeah. seven and four is sixty three percent win rate. So uh, Finkel can do this, and that's about it. <laughs> and the problem with Hearthstone, or the problem with Magic, is variance. You get mana screwed. In Hearthstone, that's mitigated because, you know, you just get mana, right? On top of that, you know, variance of not opening your Mythic, not drawing your Mythic. And I could see someone sitting down and losing, like, three games just, like, in a row in the span of five minutes and being super salty. And that's kind of Magic, right? And kind of the the match evens that out but I, I i don't know i can't see you know sitting down and they play their you know turn two smuggler's copter and then you sit there and die and then oh, i don't i don't know this is not for me this is totally not for me uh even though i love hearthstone arena i cannot see myself playing this but maybe more casual players will play this uh, the one thing i do like about this is if you have 20 minutes we can actually sit down and play a game. Uh, today, it's impossible. Your round may take up to an hour. Uh, this one is, you know, one game. And if you need to forfeit it, fine. You forfeit it. It's not a big deal. But uh, outside from that, it's just the pay is so low and the variance is so high. I just can't imagine it being a good time. Yeah, and that that's really the long and short of it is that this, this game has a lot of variance that is not smoothed out by something like this like hearthstone is kind of built like we keep referring to hearthstone because it's like how can you not it's so it's smoothed out like you said richard it does kind of like smooth that out a little bit when you're dealing with just one game right because that's what the game is built around in that when you try to mold magic into something that it's not it looks a little it looks a lot different and it won't be the same now i do understand like if you have a short amount of time and you want to get one of these these quick games of magic in that's fine and you kind of just live with the consequences that you may win you may lose and you get something out of it i don't know what that is but maybe they'll reevaluate the the prize structure yeah it's also 12 bucks remember a hearthstone arena is a dollar 50 right this was 12 bucks to sit there and die to variance yeah that is <laughs> so... that, that needs to be lowered like i think soon if not immediately oh man that doesn't make a lot of sense there. Okay, so 
I should start by saying, if you like this, that's awesome. And I'm fine with this being an option on Magic Online. I'm super scared that this is something they're going to force everyone into. We kind of saw this just recently with uh, the 8-4 drafts uh, being kind of channeled into leagues and wizards like has a way of like starting this is like oh we're gonna do this for a certain segment of people that might like it and then forcing it down everyone's throats after a little while so i'm i'm very scared of that i would stop playing limited if this was the only way to play limited in magic Uh, the variance thing is just so problematic like you're gonna play this and you're gonna lose games just because you drew poorly sideboarding is suddenly not part of the game at all there's just so many things i personally don't like about it so i'm okay with this if this is something you like i'm glad it's an option but it is definitely not for me and the payout is it is it's laughable i'm the biggest defender of magic online and arguing that it's not as expensive as it looks because you get stuff of real value but in this you're paying 12 dollars for what is essentially a hearthstone league and there's not really any way to come out ahead if you literally go uh, the maximum amount of wins seven wins you get your entry fee back and the cards you drafted which on average are not worth much in hearthstone if you get what seven wins you come out ahead and you can go all the way up to 12 wins where you get way more than what you put in where you're getting uh two or even more arena runs for free if you do well enough so the fact that there's even if you win you end up losing is just so frustrating for me like it's they're not even hiding it anymore before you like had to like do the math and figure out like oh what happens if i do this record or get this record with this one it's just like top prize it's exactly your entry feedback so there's no there's no hiding it in this at all and when you combine that with the fact that this is going to be the most high variance magic event or tournament possible uh, to me that's a recipe of for disaster and doesn't sound like fun it's frustrating losing games to mana screw when you have a three game match and you know you have another game i couldn't imagine how bad it is when you just scrub out of a 12 dollar entry fee by getting mana screw or mana flooded three games in a row so in any of this do you just consider playing paper magic again (laughs) like what what's the final straw for you well, you well this is just right? coming. Well, this is coming from someone that does not play MTGO nearly as much as paper. So because like I'm usually playing at some weird hour, or maybe I live somewhere where mm. I'm not close to local game store. It's not like you can always just walk down your game store and have an eight man right. fighter, right? So I think like for most people, like that's not even an alternative. Like, tell me where to find this draft at one a.m. with right, you know, high quality skilled opponents or something, right? Like, unless I live. Yeah, you know, on campus and like my dorm plays magic. Like it's not happening. So like I, there is no alternative. The alternative is I'll fire up some Hearthstone, right? Do three daily quests, wow. get a free draft, mm-hmm. and go. Right? Like that's the yeah. thing. As opposed to sinking twelve bucks into this, and yeah, that, you know, who knows what's going to happen, right? I mean, that just that does not seem right to me. I don't know. What to, I really I, I feel for both of you. I mean, and for everyone else that plays MTGO. I personally don't play a lot of this program because of just, I don't know. Uh, I don't know really what to, what to say on this other than uh, I understand that you're trying to give more avenues to play the game, but I mean, someone, someone has to sit down or a group of people have to sit down and say, listen, that, that is not what you're wait. That does not seem right for the cause that you're paying. Yeah. So it's definitely enough 
for someone like me and, and Seth, and maybe there is a big audience for this. But what I'm concerned about is, I don't know, are they trying to just be Hearthstone without understanding what makes Hearthstone tick? Like, I, I don't know. Like, we joked about how they were copying Hearthstone, but, like, this looks like Hearthstone, right? This <laughs> looks like Arena. The preemptive changes. Except just to... you don't have daily quests, except it's 12 mm. bucks instead of a dollar fifty. you know? You know, that game was designed and balanced around one-game matches, whereas Magic has always been, you know, a multi-game match. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if there's another way. Like, could they not just reduce the chess clocks to, like, 10, 10 minutes or something? I'd rather play speed magic than, like, one round Wait, magic. Wait, speed actual magic, right. Yeah, right. like, just make and your clock really short so you have to play fast. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. I mean, maybe... I, I don't personally know, and I guess you guys have said, like, this this could be an audience. Maybe people will comment and kind of give their perspective on, you know, why this could appeal to them. Because for me, for someone that's played the game a long time and for someone that doesn't already use MTGO, this is not enticing to me at all because you're paying the same as a regular draft. So at that point, I might as well get the full experience out of it. Yeah, it, it makes even less sense for the casual player because the casual player right. will go like four four three four <laughs> like they're not gonna be able to hammer out like seven oh wins and you know whatever so it actually is a bit confusing because it's meant for casual players and they're gonna lose a ton of money and uh even quote-unquote good players will lose money because you need a really high win percentage to to make this reasonable and i'm not you know saying you know make a profit but, you know, hopefully each hour of Moto doesn't cost me like 40 bucks, right? Like I want to be able to play some, you know, you know, if I have Friday night off and I want to play five hours, hopefully it doesn't cost me like several hundred dollars, right? Like it's not like I'm going to the casino, right? Like this is supposed to be a, a hobby and a pastime. I like to get by spending, you know, 10, 20 bucks or something, right? Now let me just confirm with both of you and just, so this, is this still modeled like league so you can play one game and then if you have to go, you can like come back and finish it later? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, at least, I mean, that's at least. Okay. I mean, that, I think that's their main goal. So you can play right. 20 minutes of magic and then stop. Uh, do you have any concern? And like I said in the very beginning, like if this is just an additional offering that they think some people like, I'm fine with that. Do you have any concern, Richard, that this will be the only limited on magic online at some point? No, because I think most people will dislike it. That, well, that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> I, I don't think, I, I agree with you that if say 70% of the player base plays this, they'll just fold everything into this. That will definitely happen. But I'm going to say that most people will not play this type of event. That's my guess. And if they do, then I guess we're all screwed. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, may, maybe everyone likes this and we're kind of the old guard and we need to go away, right? Like, that's very possible. And wow. at well, which point, <laughs> I don't know, right? Purged. <laughs> we need to be cleansed from the new age magic players. I guess I don't have to worry too much about that because those people, based on this payout, will go broke way before <laughs> Wizards can make that decision. <laughs> Literally... Because it's seven wins or four losses, which means you have to go seven and three. That's 70%. You're like, that's Hall of Fame. You're talking literally best players ever in the history of Magic probably don't have that record, uh, that percentage on the Pro Tour. Like, that's what you got to do to break even. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, mean, Seth is a a new you know, new age player. He started after Theros, so if he doesn't like it, I don't I don't understand who this is targeted at. 
So Richard, you have Magic Online Collection. Are you are you selling? Like, are, do you have any financial concern based on everything we've been talking about today? I'm concerned, but you're kind of between a hard, uh, a rock and a hard place. Like I said, like if you, I don't have much confidence. But if you sell your cards, you can't play anymore, right? And we obviously love the game of Magic, and I love playing Magic Online. Right, even despite its terrible interface and you know lag and random bugs and downtime, I would play it. But I think it's going away. Something's something's happening, and in a couple of years, Magic Online won't be as we know it today. But if we sell our collections, we we can't do anything. So I, you know, as a normal player, I wouldn't sell my collection. I think it's worth just playing more, and you're gonna kind of wait till the last minute to get out. You're gonna lose some money, but you're gonna get so much more enjoyment during that time. So that's that's my stance on it. Now, uh, I can actually borrow cards, so I can actually just liquidate my collection if I felt like it, but currently it's still sitting there. So I, I haven't done anything with my collection. It's it's still sitting there, and I, I don't know. Hopefully something good happens. Hopefully, maybe they'll they'll credit you when they convert to the new system. Maybe everyone will start playing Magic Online because it's still good, so your collection actually goes up. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too optimistic. So, uh, <laughs> so we need to get you out of nowhere land, upstate New York, and we're going over by Richard, and we're opening a store. This way, we could play twenty four seven. No, but <laughs> even stuff like fetch lands. Oh my god, it's so annoying to play oh. modern in real life. Like on Moto, you just like crack fetch done, right? <laughs> in real life, you got to shuffle. It's like there's a lot of small things that you know Moto does well. You don't know how rules work. Well, Moto will tell you how the rules work, and usually it's correct. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's correct. So there are some actual upsides of playing Magic Online. So, so second question related to that one. Are you at all worried that some random day in the next six months, let's say, you're going to wake up and it's going to be like, hey, your collection's worthless. We have a new Magic Online coming that's like Hearthstone with no economy, blah, 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 free to play in the next, in this year. Is that going to happen in 2017? Not this year. Okay. Maybe in the future. But I do imagine one day they'll, you'll wake up and they'll like, hey, we converted your collection to play points. So theoretically, we gave you the equivalent value, but not really. So I think something like that will happen when they switch to the new platform. But I can't imagine it coming out this year or even in two years. Like if we were going to see something in two years, we would have details of it by now. Like imagine any video game you've ever seen. Like, they hype that stuff up, like, three, four years in advance, right? It takes a long time to make a game. So I can't imagine them just, like, springing one up on us out of nowhere. Unless so it's, like, saying- V5 and looks exactly the same, like, you know, the iterations from V2 to V3 <laughs> to V4, where, like, what exactly changed? I don't know. So you're thinking this is more a, a mid- to long-term thing, then? It's got to be at least two years, three years out. I, I can't imagine, unless it's, like, literally V5, where it's the same thing. Uh, I can't imagine them springing us a new client so soon. And I can't imagine it being V5 with all the stuff they have been saying, even though we haven't got any direct information about reimagining and all the, even the, the name Magic Digital Next. That doesn't sound like, it's not like they're calling it V5 or whatever. So it makes it sound like this is a, a big change and not just a slightly up dated version of what we already have uh, but when we were That's at v3 fair. did you really think v4 was gonna be like this oh <laughs> uh, i guess that's true maybe oh yeah i don't know i it's don't gonna, know it's gonna be version one because it won't even be mtgo anymore 
the thing is, I don't think I think they want to be like compatible with uh, devices, and you can play it on your iPad or whatever. And I don't think it's possible with with what they have now. I don't think they can just uh, uh, put some more shine on what they already have. I think making it compatible with your phone and your iPad and all that stuff means redoing it from the ground up. From what I've heard people say. All right. Well, I think that was a good discussion on everything. Are we wrapping things up with fish mail? Yep. Let's get some fish mail okay. in here. Uh, short week, but if you send your fish mail uh, to at MTG Goldfish, hashtag MTG Fish Mail, we'll answer them. Uh, there were a lot of questions uh, from the bannings and from the Magic Digital announcements and stuff, so hopefully we covered them. Uh, here are some of the remaining questions. At Viper Johnny B, do you think Ulamog will rep- replace Emrakul in Marvel decks? I think that's the most natural replacement, yes. But I don't. Th- I do think they have to play more than just that target now. I think the Marvel deck is going to look similar to what it did when they were when people were still kind of brewing with it, where it had like maybe six, six to eight targets rather than just the four Emrakul. Uh, yeah, I mean, they will play Ulamog, there's no doubt about it. The The deck will also be bad now, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, we we saw the Pro Tour Kaladesh version. That's basically what you have, is you go back to the Pro Tour Kaladesh version, and that deck just folded to negate, and it was, we saw it at the Pro Tour, and a ton of people played it, and it just did not survive, because it wasn't very good. So, I think that Etherworks Marvel goes from the top of the meta way down to, like, another Tier 2 deck because of this banning. So they will play Ulamog, but the deck is going to be much, much worse. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's going to be that good, especially given that we have turn 4 combos. Uh, Emrakul at least let you disrupt them. Ulamog, like, you take two lands and then you die to a combo. Uh, So I don't know that the payoff is good enough. So I think it will become a Tier 2 deck. Next question, Raphael... Simonelli, do you think the recent bannings indicate that a watch list is required to respect customer investments? Yes, and I, they already indicated as of today that uh, like they will be doing that. Wait, what? Well, they already said that they're watching the Well, that's their internal watch list, right? But do you right. think they'll actually well, publish something officially that says, hey, these cards I, I, might yes. be on the block? Yes. I mentioned this on Twitter saying that they should do that. And then I had a lot of people say, and I don't remember this, that they used to do that and it caused way more problems than it actually helped and just had this whole aura of fearfulness and people worrying about it. So people thought wizards wouldn't do it because of that. Cause that was my initial reaction. Just make a watch list so people don't get blindsided. But now I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know what the watch list would solve. Like you'd basically put every tier one staple up there and what are you gonna do like not buy any of them like are we all just gonna brew like tier three decks because we're afraid of our tier one decks being banned so while it sounds good in theory i don't know how it actually work out in practice because everything good will be on there uh next question from a little cheeky using the three magic player psycho graphics uh how do you guys identify yourselves what is the? This is uh, Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. Timmy, Johnny, Spike, and I guess some of the new ones like Vorthos, Mel, mm. Melvin, Melvos. I don't even know. <laughs> There's some new ones uh, as well. I, I I would say Spike first and foremost, only just because I'm competitive in nature. But that doesn't. It's it's not everything. Like I do enjoy Commander and being casual, just like anybody else. But I, I would have to say Spike if I had to choose one. Uh, I think I am. 
I am definitely mostly Johnny. Uh, that's mostly how I play, but with some spike tendencies thrown in. So probably Johnny mostly, then spike with Timmy being kind of at the bottom. Yeah, I'm mostly spike with some Timmy in there. I, I like to I like to get all Timmy in Commander Clash, but when I play normally, I'm uh, pretty spiky. When I play, you know, Modern <laughs> or Legacy or something. Right. Well said. At BD8802, do you think more standard bandings are going to be the response slash answer to moving back to the slower rotation? So we kind of talked about this. I don't know. Yeah, we did kind of talk about this. I don't know where ultimately we end up, but I would think if they have to, you know, use their release valve, they're going to. So I I do think it's in response to standard having a, a longer rotation because... Before it would the, the cars would just rotate faster and you wouldn't really have to worry about it as long. I don't uh, know. My hope, I mean, I think that's a possibility, but my hope is that they they start putting answer cards again, and that is the solution rather than having two ban cards outright. Yeah, I actually think they're gonna go too far and they're gonna start banning things left and right for a bit before they they find the happy medium. So I think yeah. they're going to wield their new power aggressively. <laughs> that, that is my opinion. Yeah. Well, it also is because we don't know how far along. Well, obviously, I think they're further along. So if they're just realizing this now, then we might be in for a bumpy ride. <laughs> yeah. If they're like two years in advance, then and they just found out that, hey, we've been making standard incorrectly. <laughs> then we got two more years of this to go through. So the Van Hammer, I think, will be swung mightily to to fix that. And by the time we get to... You know, the block after Amonkhet or whatever, which is what they're currently making, then everything will kind of work out again because they now understand and they can use that feedback. Last question from at AJ Hewitt. How do you all feel about vehicles uh, becoming evergreen? I I don't think that really works. I mean, I guess it could work, but I guess it all depends on the plane, right? I guess evergreen would mean we see them almost every plane, like every block, right? So I don't I don't know if they fit into the theme of every block. I see them almost exactly like I see the colorless mana from Oath of the Gatewatch. I think that it's something that we'll see again, but I don't want it evergreen like equipment are, where we see it pretty much every set. I, I think as a once in a while when it fits a flavor thing, it's awesome, but I I just don't think they're something I'd be interested in having every single set. Wait, why do you like equipment but not vehicles? Aren't they kind of similar? Like, it's this weird thing. Like, you already have auras. Like, why do you need equipment? But then they became evergreen. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I think it feels like equipment are more flexible and you can do more with them because they don't become creatures i don't know if that's true or not but how would you make a skull clamp vehicle no but you're telling me in the existence of the multiverse only one civilization has managed to invent a vehicle (laughs) like like lore wise i was kind of thinking of it like they don't nothing really has to even invent vehicles like you had i was even just thinking as i was answering like in a strad you can have like a chariot be a vehicle yeah you get inside of a chariot but i mean how is that gonna be like how much can you do with vehicles i guess is my concern with equipment you can have equipment that like skull clamp that just you're not planning on having on creatures like uh, vehicles are just kind of creatures 2.0 and that's all you can do with them i guess it's like what you said you have discretion like you don't jam pack every block full of vehicles but you know here and there could be interesting 
like I don't like it as evergreen because it's a bit complicated mechanically, mm. but lore wise, yeah. I think it actually fits everywhere and it actually makes more sense on non Kaladesh. Like, for example, you can make an elephant a vehicle or something and it can crew itself with an ability. And, you know, it totally makes perfect sense, right? But, and you could have all kinds of <laughs> vehicles. Like that. You know, you could have starships or something somewhere else. Like, who knows, right? You could do Star Wars if you felt like it. But mechanically, <laughs> as a new player, you're like, what is this a creature? Like, what happens? Can I do this at instant speed? It's, like, very complicated. So for that reason, I don't think it should be evergreen. But it's intriguing. Can you imagine what the vehicles would be on Amonkhet? Like, it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. they're not always going to be smugglers copters all right i like walking i'm a walker (laughs) (laughs) fair enough all right that's all our fish mail for this week that is all our fish mail and don't tell me you don't take metro north come on (laughs) (laughs) um all right I, i think that's it uh gentlemen i think this was awesome to do just to kind of have a reactionary podcast like this to sit down and record this basically as the news came out. Uh, Seth, I know you're not going to be able to join us for Monday, so I think it was good that we kind of did this now. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got it out because I, I really wanted to be able to talk the Moto stuff, right. but I won't be around next week. So because of that in specific, I'm really glad we pushed it out because I wanted to chime in on that. Yeah, so hopefully everyone enjoys it. Um, obviously... Uh, you should thumbs this, this up, and if you, again, if you have just thoughts on your own, if you, if you like the one match, I guess arena style <laughs> draft, then then I guess it would be good to get some explanations from people because I think Richard said it best. We're kind of old guard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm really curious if you guys think it's a good idea or a bad idea. Let us know because I'm really curious what yeah. kind of normal people because we're kind of entrenched in this. You know, we we kind of live and breathe magic, and we're quote unquote old guard. But as someone who doesn't play too often, like, what is this a good thing? Is being Hearthstone Arena like a poll? Like, it'd be interesting to get some comments on that. Yeah. All right. So that is going to wrap things up. Um, you will hear from us soon. So this is going to be the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. Take care, everyone. Bye.